You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. Good morning. How are y'all? Oh, I heard some young voices. Some young people are doing good this morning. Um, Well, I am honored to be here. I love being at church with you guys. I love worshiping with you. If you are new, I just want to invite you to try to fall in love with this because I think once you adopt a a church body as your own, um, it helps you forgive a lot of weird stuff that we end up doing, but it also um, encourages you to get involved and to allow yourself to grow because of the people around you. So um, I am honored to be able to be with you guys today and to talk with you guys a little bit about um, how do you fit? How do you fit in? How many of you guys sometimes feel a little weird? Like when you get into a group, you're like, I don't know. I think I'm different than these ones. Like I'm different. I'm a little, I don't know if I'm going to fit in. Um, I know sometimes whenever, uh, like even in the women's event, sometimes uh, before a women's event, I'll, have, I'll text a friend or somebody like, are you going? Because you kind of want to have somebody who like gets you. <laughs> so when you say something crazy, they, they'll be like, it's fine. Don't worry about her. They'll <laughs> translate me a little bit. Or you just kind of want to understand how, how the thing's going to be. So you know how to be involved. Before you go to a wedding, you're like, what am I supposed to wear, right? Are we doing like super glam? Are we going like flip-flops? Like, I don't know. I want to know how to fit in. I want to know how to um, be a part of what the, the goal and mission is of whatever that thing is. And I believe the same. We ask the same questions of the church. How do I fit in here? What are we trying to do? And I believe it's not even just the church like Koinonia Church. It's really the, 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 the plan of God for the entire church to have everybody have a place. Everybody gets to have a place in the church. Um, I do know that Pastor Andrew, I'm going to be really distracted if he keeps doing that. Do you hear it? Okay. I'm going to try it one more time and we're going to keep going, but I'll be ready. Andrew will be ready. Um, last week, Pastor Andrew taught us, he, led, he started the service. And I, um, I can't, I'm not that girl. They're going to figure it out because those guys back there are wise. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about personalities. <laughs> Andrew's like, don't do that. And I'm like, nope, I have to. I must. We're different. I'm he and I. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Not that we're different, but like, you know, whatever. We're moving on. Pastor Andrew last week talked about, um, he introduced the series, How Do I Fit? Where Do I Fit? And he said this very key thing, and I want to start it off with, we were made by God. Okay? If you don't know that you were made by God, you're made by God even if you don't love God. You're made by God even if you're an atheist. That is the truth. You are made by God. He made you. You were not made on accident. You were made on purpose. You were made like God. So God actually put some personality traits. He gave you some aptitudes. He gave you some ways to reflect his nature. He has a way. So if you're trying to figure out how to grow yourself, the ultimate goal is to look like God. So we can look at God to see how we're supposed to be. God is patient. He's loving. He's considerate. He's bold. He's all of those things. Um, And then we were made for God. 
We are made for God. The purpose of your existence is to worship the Lord and to bring healing and restoration to this world. So we're made for his plans, for his work. Um, It says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. He's got a plan for you. You're a part of the plan. Um, His plan doesn't go around you. It's actually through you. Okay? And so it says in the very beginning of that verse, we're God's masterpiece. So for any of you guys who have been struggling with how you view yourself, how you view your involvement, you are God's masterpiece. He did not make a mistake when he made you. He did not make a mistake. So there's anybody in here like me who I was not born in a situation where I was wanted. I was born in a situation where it was like, oh, dang, we have this baby now, right? But I know that I am God's masterpiece. Even if I wasn't a part of my parents' plan, I know that I am part of God's plan. I am part of God's plan. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about discovering your purpose because you have a purpose, you have one, okay? There's a purpose for you existing. There's a purpose for you even existing in the year 2023. There's a reason why you exist today. I um, get to volunteer. I volunteer in youth ministry, and um, I get to kind of go from small group to small group, and junior high small group is honestly one of the weirdest places in the world, okay? <laughs> if you ever kind of want to totally feel uncomfortable with yourself, <laughs> go and sit in junior high small group. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't even know what language they're speaking. I don't know what's about to happen. Like, when a girl starts talking, I'm like, oh Lord, what is she about to say? I have no clue. Just levels of discomfort, just really, really high, but I love it. Um, and so one time I was sitting in there and this young lady said, I said, how do you guys want to greet one another? How, what should we learn about each other? And she said, let's do a fit check. And then I said, okay. But I had no clue what a fit check was. And I was like, yeah, we're gonna, let's do that. And I was like, you first. <laughs> and so then she stood up and was like, I got this shirt from the thrift store and these shorts my mom got me for my birthday and I stole my sister's shoes. Fit check. And I was like, oh, outfit check. <laughs> I got it. I got it. And so then I was like, my turn, you know, like I could do this, you know, sometimes we don't always know what the language is. And uh, we might feel a little uncomfortable. Today, we're going to do a fit check. We're going to do a fit check, but that fit is to figure out how you fit into the kingdom. Because you do. You do. And it doesn't matter if you feel uncomfortable being here, you fit. It doesn't matter if you don't know really who you are, you fit. It doesn't matter if you've been wounded within the four walls, you still fit. Even if you're a little hurt, even if you're a little bit um, confused, you still fit. Amen? So um, when I was homeschooled as a kid, I was homeschooled for four years, and I had this habit of peeling oranges, and so, and I had a lot of time on my hands, and so I would peel an orange, and then I would, I would chart how many, um, you know, like the little slivers of orange slices that are in an orange. You guys ever counted, have you guys ever counted those? I have, so I've counted those, and then not only did I count those, but I would take it a step further, because I'm extra, and I would take each, did you know in the individual orange, when you bite into like a half of a slice, there's like all these little orange pockets? Have you guys experienced this? Like what, I would, I would take an orange slice, and then I would start to count those little pockets. Because I had a lot of time on my hands, and no friends, Um, (laughs) but um, no. Ultimately, I when I would chart, I was like, oh, this orange had 17 slices and like 14,700, you know, and I would just, I would, I would spend all day long eating an orange. <laughs> I learned a lot from that season of my life, but what I did learn, what I did learn 
is that God is into details. He can think about the tiniest things where most of, most of us maybe haven't even noticed that. The orange slice breaks down and it breaks down and it breaks down to smaller and smaller bits and the Lord knows all of it. He knows it all. He is the author of all of those details and he delights in those details. It actually says that he knows in Psalm 147, it says, he determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Holy Moses. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Not only does he know how to count the stars, we're still figuring it out as a community. We've got incredible science and we're still trying to figure out how to count the stars. We're getting close, I think. I don't know, maybe. But the Lord not only knows how many there are, but he knows them by name. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Can we just say that about ourselves? Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. There are no accidents with the Lord. There are none. There isn't a day, a moment of your life that has gone by that he hasn't seen and he hasn't been a part of helping to build. And he cares about it all. He's an intentional God. He's a very smart God. Okay? So as we need help, as we're figuring it out, we are not figuring it out blind. And we're not figuring it out alone. He is helping us. While I was praying and reading this verse on repeat, Psalm 139, um, the Lord did put it, and I want to sidestep for just a second, and I want to pray for um, those who are trying to um, have a family and are struggling with pregnancies. I know that sounds kind of random, but I couldn't shake it, so I went ahead and put it in my notes. And so right now, whether you're in the house or you're watching online, if you've been struggling with getting pregnant or maybe you had um, a series of miscarriages or maybe you're just dealing with fear and, and figuring it out, I do want to pray for you right now. I think that there's a kind of a specific moment that the Lord has given us this morning to pray for this. And so um, if, if that's you and you're in the house, can you just put your hand on your womb? Can you just put your hand on your stomach? And we're just going to pray that the Lord would open up your womb and give you a baby. We're just going to pray for it. I'm going to trust the Lord's going to be faithful to that. And, and same thing online. If you're, if you're watching online, you do the same thing. Just go ahead and you can even uh, t uh, touch your spouse's stomach. Um, and we're going to pray for it. My God, we trust you, Lord. And we, we know that you hear the cries of mothers and fathers, my God, who have the gift of motherhood and fatherhood on their heart, but maybe don't have a child yet. Or maybe they're waiting for that, that additional baby. My Lord, would you you give them um, a faith for what you're calling them to, my God. And I pray right now for healing. Whatever the disconnect is within wombs, within bodies, Father, would, there, would you do a healing work right now? And I pray, Father, that you would open wombs today. I pray for those who are yearning for children, my God. I pray that they would be able to, um, you would give them answers, that you would give them clarity, that you would give them hope and a passion for what you've called them to. And God, I pray for pregnancies even this year, even this month, my God. And I 
trust that you can do it. I trust that you care. I trust that in the, the deep recesses of this woman's heart, Father, I know that you're hearing her cry and she is not alone, my Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, sorry, thank you for letting me do that. Uh, my daughter watches this show called Instant Dream Home, and in this show, they go, they take this family, and the family goes on kind of a trip for the day, and then this team of people come in, and within eight or maybe 12 hours, it depends on what their day is, they totally renovate the entirety of the home. When I watch the show, it's annoying because it takes me around four months to paint my kitchen cabinets, <laughs> okay? But this show, they do the entire house, landscaping, they'll, they'll, re, they'll like do the new face on the, the They'll reshape the roof to make the house totally look different. They redo the entire thing in like an eight-hour period of time. And the only way they're able to do that is by intense level of planning and a ton of people. Okay, so they have all these teams coming in throughout the day. They have it really meticulously planned out where it's like, this is the team. They're going to come with the bulldozer, and then this is the team. They're going to come here. And then as that team's leaving, this team's already in the house, and they're working on closets, and they kind of have this very tightly knit, orchestrated plan. And sometimes when I watch that show, I'm like, man, that's how God is operating with us. We are all uh, with different talents. Like the lady at the very end who's fluffing the flowers, she has a different set of skill sets than the guy with the bulldozer at the beginning of the show. But man, they're both important for the flipping of the entire house. And I believe that God's call is for us to flip this world, that we're trying to turn it around from where sin and evil have taken root. And there is much to do, and you guys are all a part of. You actually all have different gifts and talents that help you fit into the big plan of God's transformational goal. Okay? You're all a part of it. Nobody's out. Every single person is in. Even if you're young, even if you're old, even if you've never been to school, you struggle with language, you struggle with, you can struggle with whatever you want. You're still in. You're still in. Okay, and so there's four different ways that I'm going to go over today to help us figure out how I can be a part. Put me in in the right place. Okay, there's nothing like being in the wrong place. Okay, I have a certain particular set of skills, and when I'm put in the wrong place, it shows. And I frustrate myself, and I definitely frustrate the people around me. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. Like, it's a, lot, it's a long list of ways I can frustrate people. But there's four main areas that I'm going to talk about today. Your personality, your spiritual gifts, your passions, and your abilities. God is involved in all four of those. He's involved in all of them. He's growing them up in you right now. And as I was preparing, I was thinking of the story of Moses. Because when I think about Moses, he, he demonstrated all of these things as he was walking towards his ultimate destiny. He had this big task that the Lord had for him to be the mouthpiece and the leader for freeing the Israelite people from 400 years of slavery. He was the guy. But he didn't know he was the guy growing up. Okay, he didn't know that he was the guy when he was uh, wandering in the desert with his sheep. He didn't know as he was being a shepherd or as he was getting married, he didn't know that that was ultimately what God had for him. But in hindsight, when I read the scripture, I can see the setup the whole way through. I can see the setup. When I think about his personality and I read the writings, because Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, so you get a lot of personality of Moses through those writings, I know that he was a thoughtful guy. 
I know that he was incredibly passionate about justice. He was incredibly emotional. He was an emotional guy. You get a lot from his personality. I, I believe that his spiritual gifts probably were somewhere in the category of wisdom, discernment, administration, and leadership. Um, as I read scripture, I know that his passions were the Israelite people because when he saw an Israelite getting beaten by his slave master, he actually murdered that slave master. What a passion. What a passion. When I think about his abilities, I know that him being raised first in an Israelite household, being raised by his biological mother, and then being adopted by the princess of Egypt, um, he learned diplomacy, and he learned uh, two sets of languages. He learned how to be um, involved in a part of two different cultures, setting him up perfectly for being the one in between, to go before Pharaoh on behalf of the Israelite people. But Moses didn't know. He didn't know. And then there was this moment, this burning bush moment where the, where the God of all, King and Kings and Lord of Lords, and he came and he said, Moses, this is my plan for you. God was building him up for this moment. And I believe that the Lord has given us personalities, spiritual gifts, passions, and abilities that really are for a specific calling, for a specific thing. Um, and the, the challenge with Moses is he had this burning bush moment, and we don't get that. We don't get a burning bush moment. And so many of us live frustrated, we live stuck, we live unclear, we live wandering, and so it pushes us in and out, in and out of involvement, because we're not sure where we fit. And I just want to encourage you today, in is better, and keep working on it. Because as we discover more about our personalities, our spiritual gifts, our talents, and our abilities, and our passions, the Lord's going to allow it to click for you. That's what I believe is going to happen these next few weeks as we discover more and more. Something's going to click inside of you, and you're going to start to have um, a firm foundation on where you belong. Number one, God made us. He made us. He gave us a personality. Your personality influences everything you do. It does. You can't really get away from your personality, no matter how you try. And I try. Sometimes I'm like, I'm not going to be a crier. You know, like I say that to myself all the time. Like, I'm not a crier. I'm not a crier. The other day I was crying in Andrew's office, and I was trying to hide it. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to be a crier. I'm not going to be a crier. So literally, like, I'm just like, well, I got to go. And then I, like, ran out and, like, went and shut my window and cried in my office. <laughs> but because I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying to deny my personality. And Andrew's like, did you, did you run and cry? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm trying to deny it. But, like, God has given you a personality. Sometimes he's given you, you know, he's given you quirks and he's given you tendencies and he's given you that. And that's, that's a beautiful thing, even if sometimes we try to deny pieces of that in ourselves. He's given you this personality. And learning about your personality is a key part of how you understand that you actually fit in. Because your personality will be the thing that could lie to you and tell you you don't. My personality tries to make me think I don't fit in all the time. Like, it tries to make me feel like, oh, Candace is too weird, she's too loud, she's too whatever. She doesn't fit. Like, that's what my personality sometimes tells me when I don't surrender that to the Lord. Actually, my personality is a part of how God made me, so I will be loud and I'll be bold and I'll be brave. I'll be these things because the Lord has given that to me. And he's given that to me in a way that helps me and helps my church and helps my community. And so your personality is a God-given part of who you are. He made you. 
okay? And so there's a, there's a couple different ways to learn more about your personality. I'm going to put up uh, this, uh, this thing. This is called the four temperaments. Pastor Andrew and Carrie, a couple years ago, they went over this. And it, it kind of just gives you a picture of four main personality types. And let me just say about personality type assessment things. We're not trying to put you in a box. I'm not trying to dictate who you are. A lot of times you kind of flow in between a couple different ones. It's a tendency that you tend to roll with. Um, even if you never took a test, you can look at some of the phrases on this and be like, oh, I feel like I'm a little bit choleric. Like, I am impulsive sometimes. I'm very active. I'm excitable. I, um, another word for choleric is very, very task-centered. Like, getting it done is very important to you. Um, so that's choleric. And then we have sanguine down here. Our sanguine people, they're our woot -woot friends. Whenever we're like, how are you guys doing? They're like, great! Like, those are sanguine folk. Um, playful, easygoing, sociable, hopeful, contented. Like, sanguines are always happy. Like, every group kind of needs a sanguine, right? We have our phlegmatics. They're reasonable. They're principled. They're controlled. They're steadfast. They're calm. Okay? I feel like every sanguine probably needs a phlegmatic. Um, <laughs> then we have our melancholies. Okay? And melancholies, they tend to be a little more anxious and worried. They're unhappy, serious, and thoughtful. But I tell you, melancholies tend to be pretty artistic. They tend to have some deep thoughts about the way that uh, words work and how to put it together to express something deeper than maybe our sanguine folk know how to do, right? And so as I think about these things, knowing where I fit, so I'm, I'm pretty strong on the sanguine choleric side. So I just like live there. Like I, when I take the test and it gives you a percentages, I'm like so little melancholy and phlegmatic. It's, it's kind of it makes me laugh. I'm very, very hard on the choleric, very, very big and sanguine. Um, and when I know that about me, it actually helps me forgive the things that um, I struggle with in me. I'm like, oh, I'm actually disorganized because I'm creative and hopeful and sociable. Like that's a part of me that God gave me. So I don't need to beat myself up because I'm really a disorganized friend. Okay. I don't need to beat myself up, but I also don't need to judge my super organized friends, my super organized friends, man, I need to partner with them, not to stain them. Right. And so like my husband and I, we are, we are like the quintessential, like fit for each other only because we're so different from each other. And sometimes that difference can frustrate us until we learn to honor it. When I honor the things that are different in my husband than me, and I recognize that that's part of how God plan for us actually works itself out. I celebrate that. Even in my frustrated moments, like, oh my gosh, here we are again <laughs> with our difference, right? With the things that make us different. Sometimes when I think about our staff, man, when I, I work with a bunch of people who I adore, I love the people I get to work with, but man, they're different than me, which means sometimes I'm bothered by them, <laughs> right? Like I'm so, I don't understand how they got to that answer, I don't understand why they did that thing. Like, what is wrong with you? It's sometimes how I'll think. Like, why did you do it that way? Like, sometimes when I think, so Chad is very, very choleric. And so he, he just is very, very steady. He doesn't like to do things outside of the way that he wants to do it. And I am, and, and so the other day Chad was preaching, and I was like, Chad, what are your hopes for today? And he's like, I hope we don't fail. I was like, <laughs> and I was like, okay. You know, I'm like, man, my hope, I hope that everybody just leaves feeling so good. Like I have all these like, woo, hopes. And when I meet with Chad, he's like, like here's not, you know, it's like less exciting. And I'm like, oh man, aren't you excited? He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. When I think about this, this, uh, this group, I think, I think about Pastor Roger. He's not here, but man, Pastor Roger is one of the most patient and principled and controlled and steadfast humans. Like he's unwavering. 
He's not getting pushed around. He's not getting told what to do. You know what I mean? Because that kind of translates in itself in a different way. So like when, this, when things happen on this stage that are kind of different than we planned, Roger says, well, I'm still going to do the thing I'm going to do. <laughs> because he, we're, not, we're not shifting gears here. Roger's going to do what he's going to do. And he's steady in that way. I can expect what Roger's going to do. He's not going to surprise me very often in that way, which is so comforting to have on the team. Right? But then when you're a person like me, I'm like, do something fun. You know, like that's not going to work as, a demonst- as an example for Roger. I know I can't coach Roger that way. I know I can't be involved with Roger that way because he's steady. He likes this clear guidelines, and he's not going to waver. He's actually been on our staff the longest of anybody, and I think part of his personality has made that possible. And then we have our melancholies. And melancholies, they tend to be deep thinkers. They're super, super deep. I think about Pastor Alfred where he doesn't always come across as being like a woo guy. But let me tell you, well, I'll ask, I'm like, Alfred, are you okay? Like, I'm, always, I'm almost always wondering, like, <laughs> are you feeling it? You know, like, I'm wondering because he's not um, obvious about some of those things. He's deep about those things. So it doesn't mean he's not passionate. He's full of passion. You guys have seen him on stage, and he worships in a way that's outside of his character, and it's honoring to the Lord. But man, when you just talk with him, he's, he's, he's up in here so much where I'm just like, are we, are we good? Are you mad? Are you sad? Like, I'm all, I'm, everybody knows how I feel. Like, you're going to see it. You're going to feel it. Everybody, it's probably going to be on you because I'm crying on you. You know what I mean? Like, there's no surprises with me. I'm curious about Alfred. <laughs> And so I have to ask him because he's my, my melancholy friend. The more I learn about the people around me, their, their personalities, the better I can partner with them. And when I, when I partner with them according to how they're built, we actually feel like we fit together. Like, man, I need Alfred because if, I, if it was just up to me, I would probably breeze by these deep thoughts, these big concepts. Um, if I don't have a Chad in my life, we're never going to finish anything. You know, Chad gets us all the way to the finish line because he's about the business. He's going to make it done. I'm just going to start it. He's going to finish it. I mean, we need the, the steadiness and the principles of a man like Roger. Sometimes I'll take him kind of a deep theological thing, and I'm like, Roger, I need your perspective because you're my steady one. He won't be waved by um, the popularity of society. He's not, that's not who he is. It's not how he is. So it's such a blessing, but let me tell you, If we don't understand how we are, some of those differences can push us away from each other instead of toward each other. There are things when I'm working, I'm I'm an ideas person, I'm on that creative side. So sometimes I know I need to bring my big, wonderful idea to my friend Sylvia because she knows how to tear things apart which actually sounds like a terrible thing, but she knows how to poke at it and poke at it and poke at it and poke at it to see if it's worthy. And, and for years that frustrated me, like Sylvia kills my ideas. Like I would always, you know, like she wants to kill all my ideas. And so now I'm like, I got to take my idea to Sylvia early so she can poke at it and poke at it and poke at it. So then when it starts to be developed, it's solid. So I've learned to actually run to Sylvia, say, Hey, I got this thing, poke at it for me. Um, I'll, I'll go cry later, but eventually, um, now I know it's solid. I know this is a good idea because I have a Sylvia in my life. Okay? And so your personalities, it impa- it's impacting your family right now. Your kids have a personality. They need to hear love a certain way. Your spouse needs to experience affirmation a certain way, and it's a part of their personality. 
Are you studying these things? Um, there's another, there's a couple other ones, DISC profile, Myers-Briggs. There's so, so many good ones to help you figure that out. But just even just asking, like, how do I operate differently than the way he, she, or whoever operates around me? So we have our personalities. We also have our spiritual gifts because the Lord gifts us gifts. He gives them to you. You have, a, if you believe in Jesus, you have a spiritual gift. There's nobody in the kingdom of God who's left out. Nobody. Scripture tells us that a, a spiritual gift is a divine attribute given to someone at conversion by the Holy Spirit according to God's grace and is to be used for building up the body of Christ and ministering to others. So you, you're gifted on purpose. Like I don't use um, my gift of leadership just to be like, man, I'm such a great leader, like just to stand there and be gifted. It's actually meant to turn out. It's meant to be used out. It's meant to be used to build, right? So now that I recognize I got a gift of leadership, I now get to use that in the group, okay? So you all have a specific spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit is in you. You have to believe that first. Once you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you. It says in John 14, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you and will be in you. Okay? You have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to you. Although they may be in infant form or maybe they're underdeveloped or undiscovered, you have a gift. Some of you have a bunch. Some of you have a few, but you're gifted. You're gifted spiritually. Romans 12, 6 says, we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. God's a good father, and he's not giving you too many things that you can't develop, okay? He gives you what you need for the place he has for you, for the season he has for you. The Holy Spirit works through you. God is a God of all power and supremacy. He can do whatever he wants. I believe that, but he still chooses me to do the work. Sometimes I'll say things like, God, would you heal my family? And he's like, I've got you there to do that work. I said, hey, God, would you help, would you help this person? They need, they, need, they need some things. He's like, I've got you there to do that work. He actually works through. God doesn't work around us. He doesn't work in spite of us. He works through us. So some of the biggest things in the world that we're praying for solutions for, you're probably a part of the solution because he works through us and not in spite of us. We're made for this season. We have a, a little assessment that could help you figure out your spiritual gifts. It actually will help figure out a little bit of your passions as well. CaseyHanford.com slash shape. It's called the shape assessment. It's not small. Like it'll take you a few minutes. Be honest when you do these type of things. But if you go, you can either scan the QR code or find it later. CaseyHanford.com slash shape. Just remember shape, 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 shape. Um, that'll help you find it. And then you can take that and it'll just kind of give you a little clue. I remember one time when I was, I think it was like in third or fourth grade, my teacher gave us this little assessment to figure out what we were going to be when we grow up. And I remember taking it. Honestly, this came back to me just during worship just now. Um, um, I took it as a little kid and it said um, clergy. And I remember being like, what's a clergy? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what that is. But literally, and it's on, it's a, it was a public school. It wasn't a private school or any of these things. And it was teacher. There's all these cool jobs. And it said clergy. And I literally had to go to my teacher. I'm like, what's a clergy? She's like, that's a church. That's a person who works at a church. I'm like, okay. Like, that's not. And literally, that was not where I was heading forever and ever and ever. But even at a little, a, a young age, the Lord had planted something in me. 
okay? And so sometimes those assessments, they can plant something in you to help you know which steps to take, okay? It's not necessarily declarative or definitive for you. It's just helpful, helpful. And so when I was like, okay, clergy, and then it never came back to me for like, you know, 20 years or so, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a clergy. How cool. <laughs> We have passions. So God uses your, t- your personality. He gives you spiritual gifts, but he energizes you with passions. A passion is a desire of the heart given by God that compels you to devote your energies to a specific interest or need that makes a difference in the life of others. This is the stuff that wakes you up in the morning. And I believe there's kind of two main groups, categories of passions. Some of you guys are people people. And so your passions are uh, centered around different people groups. So you could be really excited about caring for young people. I believe I have a passion for young people. I love teenagers. Um, A lot of people are running away from teenagers. And just noticing that difference, I'm like, man, I think that that's a passion of mine because they don't scare me. I'm running towards them. Like, oh, look at that teenager. I want to go talk with them. There's a passion in me for the younger generation. Um, There could be a passion in you for um, people who have been widowed. Like, man, I just really care. I I hope that they feel um, supported. Like, there's there's this idea. You could have a passion for people who have been um, in the trafficking world. Like, I really want to make sure that those people are cared for, that justice is served for those individuals. You could have a passion um, for the homeless. Like, man, when I drive by, I, like, can't get their faces out of my mind. I see them for a long time, and it, it burdens me. Some of you have a passion for people in the medical world. It's like, you understand how they tick, you understand how they operate, and you can't help but, like, want to encourage those who work in hospitals. So there's people groups that you can have a passion for, but you could also have a passion for issues. Okay, you can have a passion for certain issues. So you could have a passion um, in the adoption world. Like when it comes to foster care, like there are people who just want to work on that. They, maybe they never even actually adopt a person, but they work on the system. They can, they can put action behind this passion for a system that really is in need of some help. What about um, uh, issues of uh, racial reconciliation? That's an issue that involves people, but not everybody's super passionate about it. But some people have a burn there. Some people have a burning desire to make sure that people are reconciled, that the brokenness um, of generations past do not live on to generations future. There are people who have a passion for financial health. We're like, man, I, I, I understand this. I get it. And I, I, I pray that other people know how to make those choices. Have you ever talked to people and you're just like, it's so easy to you and you have no clue why it's not easy for them? Like, what? why don't you understand? Like, it's, like, it's just like this. It's just. You know, start thinking about the things that you, Jay, it's, you when you say it's just blank. Because it comes easy for you because it's a passion. Some of you guys have a passion for, um, for art. And you want to redeem the arts in the name of Jesus. Um, The Lord has given you a passion on purpose. And that passion is to be used to energize you in your call. Because there are days when even though he's called you to a thing, you won't have the energy for it. Right? So there are days when I am tired, but the phone calls don't stop. So it's a good thing I have a passion for it. Because it will get me up even though I don't want to. Right? You need to have a passion. And passion is something that's a little bit personal 
And it's something that you stay um, feeding. You have to feed your passion. Because let me tell you, the enemy will, sn will snap out your passion. He'll try to snuff it out. Um, he'll try to wear you out with um, poor choices and taking care of yourself. He's going to try to break it down so that you don't feel passion anymore. And actually, let me just pause and, and pray for you guys because I feel like there's some people who maybe you've been living without passion. You've just been going through the motions. And um, that is not the way that the Lord has designed you to live. He's designed you to live with a passion. He's designed you to live actually with a burden for something better. And if you've lost the desire for something to be developed because of you, you probably allowed the enemy to snuff out your passions and I don't want us to live that way. We are going to be a church on fire. We're going to be a church inspired. We're going to be a church who says yes to the things that every single one of us are working on. And as we fit, really all of Kings County should be covered because God has given us passion. So let me just pray for you. My God, would you reignite passions in this church? God, I pray for the things, even as we sing, come alive in the name of Jesus. I know that there are people who have been passionate about a certain thing where they felt the wall of failure too many times and now they're passionate is dead. My God, would you revive it in Jesus' name? Would you allow the dead bones to come to life? Would you allow fresh inspiration and creativity to come so they will knock on the door of healing again in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Last thing, last thing. He shapes us and gives us abilities. There are things that you have a natural propensity towards, and there are some things that you've developed over time. Very few people are just naturally playing piano from the get, you know what I mean? But you have an aptitude for music, so with an, an instrument in your hand, it can develop differently, right? And so you have some abilities, and some of you guys have gained some abilities because of the life God's already put you in. There are some things that we, can, we naturally thrive at because we're good at them. If we are consistently working at something we're not good at and we're not growing in, that's going to be a passion killer. It's going to be a passion killer. When I take into consideration the things I'm not good at, it doesn't necessarily mean that God's never going to call me out there. Sometimes he calls me to do things that I'm not good at and it's actually to, to teach me something. Okay, so I don't get to be like, sorry, I don't really do that because God made me this way. Like, I don't ever say that. Okay, I really listen to the Lord. And I said, well, the Lord has called me to be stripped away of all my pride. <laughs> here it is. I'm going to serve here. Um, and I go home and I cry. <laughs> but ultimately, I, I do trust the Lord. He doesn't always have me there forever. Okay? He has me there in moments that are perfectly timed to show me his glory. Okay, but ultimately, the Lord uses all of these things in combination, and we can, when we can kind of put them together, we find our sweet spot in ministry. Have you ever eaten like a burger, and it has like bacon and tomatoes and lettuce and a little bit of condiment, and you get a big bite of nothing but mustard? <laughs> it's not good, right? <sighs> But then, like, sometimes there's a bite. Like, sometimes my husband be like, oh, my gosh, because I'm just like, oh, that was a good one. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it was the right combination of the perfect combination of all the things. There are times when you can click all of a sudden you're ministering where your personality, your spiritual gifts, your abilities, and passion are all used 
and it feels really sweet. It's a sweet spot. And we don't always live there forever. You know what I mean? Um, there are things, like, I do believe I'm called to the position that he has me in, but it's not necessarily even a position that he's called me to. It's not a job description he's called me to that's bigger than that. Okay, so even if I wasn't a pastor next week, if he called me some, to some other things, there are, there's passions, there's personality things, there's, uh, there's spiritual gifts, and there's abilities that he's given me that can supersede a job description, but it actually allows me to sit in my sweet spot for the longest portion of my life. Okay. And so some of us, we, we don't feel like we're in our sweet spot because we've ignored our spiritual gifts. Some of us, we don't feel like we're in our sweet spot because we've forgotten that we're actually a personality and that's okay. Some of us have, have felt outside of our sweet spot because we, we're not using our abilities. You're really good at some things and you should be using those. And it doesn't always have to be your job description. It's bigger than that. But ultimately, the Lord wants to use those things to build his kingdom. That is his purpose for your life. How are you using those things to build his kingdom? I'm always so grateful when I can, I can identify that that thing has eternal ramifications. I'm always so grateful because there's some things I'm like, well, that's going to, this meal that I just ate, that's going to be gone, right? You know what I mean? So sometimes I think very temporally, but there are some things I get to do where I'm like, man, I feel like that conversation I just had, that's going to change a generation. And when I get to put my finger on it and be like, I think that that has some long-term ramifications, it builds up passion in me. There are things you get to do that you get to participate in. And I do believe sometimes it's making a meal. Sometimes it's calling a friend. There are things you get to do to participate in the kingdom that has lifelong ramifications for this world. You're changing things slowly but surely all together as a team. You have a place in that. And you fit just perfectly to the place that God has for you. And that for me means sometimes I need to readjust. Sometimes it means for me, I need to get better at an ability. Sometimes it means for me, I need to acknowledge how my, my personality is operating here. Like I'm struggling in this place because of how I've been built. And even just acknowledging that frees me of some of the angst. So I'm gonna pray for you guys. Go, go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. I know a lot of us, I live in the trial and error of figuring out my fit. I live there. And I'm grateful to live there in a community that's forgiving, that is, that's trying to reach. And I know sometimes I'm gonna get it wrong. And I wanna pray for those who have felt like you've been trying, but you, you really don't feel like you have a purpose. You've been trying to figure it out and you're not quite sure. Maybe you haven't started to try to figure it out. What's the purpose? And so if that's you and you're struggling with purpose, can you just raise your hand so I can pray for you directly? My eyes are going to be open. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to look over at you. I'm going to stretch my hand out toward you. And I'm just going to pray. There are hands all over this house of people who are looking for some help in their purpose. My God, would you just walk around this room and lay your hand on each of your children right now? those who are struggling, my God, who are feeling like they don't have a purpose or maybe they're not sure what their purpose is for. My God, would you move? Would you bring clarity, my Lord? Would you help them to see that they are fearfully and wonderfully made? There's nothing about them that's an accident and there's no sin big enough to discount them from fitting in your kingdom, that they fit in your kingdom building plan, my God. I pray right now that you would just help them understand. Do they need to minister to kids? Are they a 
part of a, are they, should they be a part of a strategy team? Are they a creative? Should they be writing music? My God, I just pray that you would stir it up in them, that whether they're at work, at home, at church, that they're going to build your kingdom wherever they are because you have given them a call. You've given them a purpose. You've given them a personality, gifts, talents, spiritual gift. You've given them so many things. God, would you ignite a passion that leads them to some action today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to invite everybody to stand. And I'm going to pray for one more group of people. I'm going to invite our, our, our uh, prayer teams to come up so you can be ready to receive people for prayer. But the first step of finding your purpose is really finding Jesus. And if you haven't said yes to Jesus, that is step number one. And I want to give us an opportunity as a, as a group, a collective group, that nobody leaves without the invitation to love the Lord. Because that really is step number one. You can, be, you can be an expert at a lot of things, but if, if, you're, if your expertise is not directed at the kingdom of God, it really isn't very purposeful. And I believe that the kingdom of God uh, shapes those things. He gives you identity. He gives you breath. So if you need um, to say yes to Jesus with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, if you're wanting to say yes to Jesus, would you raise your hand so I can pray with you? Yes. Look at all those hands. Don't look at all those hands. Your eyes are closed. <laughs> but my God, with the hands raised across this room, my Lord, would you do work right now in the hearts of these children, your children, my God. Right now with their hands raised, they're saying they accept your kingship. They accept you as Lord over their life. They accept you as their forgiver of their sins, my God. They know they can't do this without you, my Lord. They want something more. They want something more, my God. And I pray right now that you would minister to their souls. I thank you, God, that the, the heavens are roaring with celebration because of the hands being raised and the spirits coming alive right now in this place that what was what was once dead is now alive in this space because of these decisions to follow Christ. I pray right now for direction and protection for each of the people who have their hands raised, my God, as they confess that they need you and that they want to know more about you. God, would you honor that confession, that confession of faith that we trust that you're the Lord. We trust that you're the king. Lord, help us to know more as we reach out to you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done already in the last 30 seconds of these hands being raised, that you are stirring up something new in these spirits, that you are stirring up new ideas in their minds, that you're shifting their identities. In Jesus' name, would you minister to them, my Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So I don't know how many it was. It had to be at least 30 people with their hand raised just now. So let's give a shout of praise to the Lord. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at kchamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.